Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Chris. And I'm Don. Uh, welcome. Welcome to our podcast. So for those of you who have just found us, I'm glad to have you here. First episodes are always awkward for everyone. <laughs> and this one will probably have its own uh, awkwardness, but it'll be charming awkwardness. Hopefully. Yes, yes. That's acceptable kind of awkwardness. So... You're probably wondering if you clicked on it. Really nice logo. What's going on here? So we are three friends. We've known each other for years now. We have a love for video games, but we also have a love for education. So what we want to do with this podcast is what we just kind of want to do with our own lives. We love video games, and we want you to learn from them the same way that we've learned from them. Each of us can list a ton of stories about how video games have helped us grow or helped us get through hard times. And I think that a lot of effort goes into making video games that you don't really get to notice. So what we'll do is we're going to talk about quite a few different games, hopefully, and give you guys a chance to learn the same way we have. And and I think it's important to note, Lucas, too, that video games, they don't pull from nothing. They're drawing inspiration from the world around us. Like they, they pull this all into it. And so, you know, we've sort of discovered, you know, what better way to help teach and appreciate our world than using this sort of common denominator that unites us all, which is video games. For real. I mean, it's important. Like we all work really, we work on our own different things in our own lives, but it's cool that like all these games put so much work together into it. And honestly, if it wasn't for games like Pokemon, I wouldn't even have where I am going. Uh, Speaking of which, the game we all love is Pokemon. We will talk about it quite a bit. In fact, if you've noticed, this title of this first episode is about Pokemon, but we promise we will talk about other things. We just, we all just love Pokemon. We have Pikmin plans. We got Zelda plans. We've got a geologist who's talked about volcanoes in Legend of Zelda. I want to bring that man on the show. He's great. But I, I do want to, there's one last thing before we really get into it. We are a, we try and keep things pretty PG here. Now, did that mean we're going to stray away from hard stuff? Of course not. But I, I often find it's weird that like all these podcasts with Pokemon and Legend of Zelda and Mario have a lot of cursing and sex jokes and it seems kind of weird like after a while that like you can't put a kid down. Like I was an English teacher in Japan for two years and legitimately I could not find good new music for my kids to listen to because it was full of swearing and sex. And like if you're an adult. That's your thing. You know, you, you can do what you want, but I kind of want to make something that everyone can listen to. You know, that that Pixar quality, that Pixar PG. That being said, if we ever talk about like Elden Rings and we get like someone mentioning like, hi, I'm 11. I love that game. Elden Ring is for everyone. So normally whenever an episode runs, we would do a whole bunch of news and we're actually recording a bunch of episodes right now. So that way, when you guys first find us, there's going to be a bunch of stuff you can follow through. You know, kind of like when you watch an anime, you don't want to just watch one and judge it. You give a few more and then you see if it's worth your time. So this first series of episodes, we're not going to have the most up-to-date news, but we will have cool, fun stuff that we like talking about. And since today is a Pokemon episode that focuses on nature, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, the benefits of going outside. Do I understand the irony of that while talking about video games? On a, on a podcast. On a podcast. Yes. But podcasts are fairly mobile forms of entertainment, I feel like. You could take a switch on a walk. That's right. I mean, you kind of could. <laughs> Don't walk and switch. So there was a study done in by the um, by university in Finland that pointed out that visiting urban parks was linked to 
a reduced use of prescription medications. So they had about 16,000 responses from this survey from the residents of uh, Helsinki and the neighboring cities of Vetna and Espo. And they found that over time, like all these people are using various kinds of prescription medication, not just things for mental health. They're also using it for all kinds of antidepressants, anti-anxieties, yada, yada, yada. But they found that there was um, people who visited the parks three or four times a week were 33% less likely to use these medications. And I think that's something a lot of people are bringing to mind. Um, I work with a work culture that focuses on something called Blue Mind, where you go out and you enjoy a little bit of nature if you can while you're at work and just try and decompress and find that space to relax. I think that's such an important topic. And it's good to step out and just take a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and this is and this I'm guessing this is not to say that go to a park and you won't have to take prescription medicine ever again, but it's to, it's saying that being outside and just sort of experiencing the the outdoors is good for you. It is. It's take the time to to Absolutely. do it. And if your doctor says you need medicine, then you should maybe use the medicine. Yeah, no, I've definitely listened to the medical professionals, but going outside and spending a little time there, it, it's nice. And honestly, if you're like one of those people like, man, I don't know about that. Like, listen, there's nothing that gets you more clout than a really nice nature picture. Trust me, works real nice. Uh, <laughs> as far as video game news goes, it'd be weird to just kind of like, hey, we're recording this a few weeks before the thing. Here's this brand new news that is now three weeks old. So instead, I kind of wanted to like, Talk about how we feel about this new Pokemon game. Before we really dig into it, though, I do have a story for y'all, for you two. Okay. So when I first got the game, the first day I'm playing it, I'm playing it. I'm just enjoying myself. My roommate walks in and he's like, what are you playing? And I'm like, this is a new Pokemon game. He's like, it's out. I haven't played since like gold and silver. He's watching me play. And then he's like, he leaves the room, goes online. It's like, comes back. And then, okay. I found a used switch. We can go get at GameStop. I'm going to go get this game. Like legit. Like he got into this game after like 20 years because he's like, no, this, this looks sick. I'm getting into it. And I think that's hilarious. I think that's so interesting. I think this new game that they put out, number one, super buggy. Should not have come out that buggy, but it did. We accept that fact. You move on. There's a patch coming. Relax. A, a patch. <laughs> <laughs> They said late February, which 29th. means February. Like I was, yeah, is it a huge? No, it's not it's a leap year, right? No, no it's, it's not. not. But they'll make it one. Maybe, maybe by the time this episode comes out, the yeah. patch will be out. No, that'd be nice. But it's, <laughs> it's honestly so. It it it's weird because it's it's clearly glitchy and clearly unfinished, and it's still really fun. Like I don't know how much fun I've. I played, I delayed playing the game. Like I did little batches of it so I could just keep enjoying it because it was so much fun. I loved traveling. I loved getting a chance to see the region. I loved all the gym leaders. It was great. I had a great time. Don, what were, what are your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. I It came out and then I was just slammed with work and then like some traveling with family and stuff. So I kind of get digging to play it during the initial hype. And then I kind of like knew a little bit, but still like, so I was just hearing about different people, but never enough to really have any spoilers. So I was like, oh, I can't wait to meet Larry or I can't wait to meet, you know, whoever. Because I still didn't like, I kind of tried to stay spoiler free, but also was behind the curve. Um, but I really enjoyed the exploration. I actually finally finished it like last week. Um, but I, I took my time. I was trying to catch everything I would see that I didn't have. 
and I really like um, just being able to explore the world and see see all of the critters out and about. I haven't seen any shinies yet. Really, I saw like I found like two, like on my normal playthrough. Right? I'm keeping my streak alive of never seeing a shiny in the wild in a mainstream game. I got I got a shiny Krogunk in Arceus before I was trying to farm shinies. That was my latest shiny, I think. But um, I don't not stoked on the current battle arena. I I play competitive Pokemon and uh the just like four hype grandmas in like a field is not really the same spectacle as like the the six stadiums in um in Galar or like the weird like space vista things that we had back in the day with like faceless like black mirror silhouettes in the 3ds days but those grandmas are so proud of you don they're all the same like put different clothes on them at least i don't think you understand these are not grandmas it's the spanish reason. these are abuelas and abuelas always have your back although they will call you fat in social functions that's just something you'll you'll get used to don't worry about it i i will say and we're gonna definitely talk about it this episode like chef's kiss on a lot of these pokemon designs like it, it's i love the design amazing this and we are going to be talking about them in just a bit before we truly get deep into like those i kind of want to talk about the work that they did with this region because the 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 absolute insanity that these people put together when it came to making this game like they clearly went to spain they clearly did their research they clearly were looking through like wikipedia like what's cool animal we can put in here and it's all there so if you're like completely like all right i don't like pokemon but these idiots seem fun what's what's good the region pokemon has this trend of always mirroring some real world location at first it was all about japan and then they decided to branch out a little bit and eventually we finally made it to a spanish region so iberian peninsula portugal spain that sort of thing pokemon has focused a lot of its attention on this region and it shows how much time they put in. There's, there's so much content to discuss that this is a part one of a part three. We are going to talk about the wildlife and nature today, culture the next episode, and then history the next episode after that. Because you can't you can't lump them all together. It, it, it's too much. There's, I mean, that's what comes up with a new generation. You get a huge dump of new Pokemon that all draw from varying aspects of the area that they're basing it on. It, it's a lot. Yeah, no, you can't just like boil it down into like, I don't know, 40 minutes. It's not going to not going to cut it. We have to break it down. I hope it's more than 40 minutes because we have a whole podcast based on it. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I think it did a really good job reflecting, at least from what I've seen so far, the biology and the topography, geography of the region. The Iberian Peninsula is a pretty interesting place. I will say there is one change they made that is for the better. The mass majority of the Iberian Peninsula is temperate forests. So think of the forests of like Virginia and Appalachia. These are areas that it gets cold, but not too cold. Obviously, in the game, when you're walking around, there's a lot of open fields and a lot of open grassland. Yeah, trust me, those that game has trouble rendering one or two trees. Try doing a whole forest. Not going to work the whole way through. I thought you were going to say... um that the Iberian Peninsula doesn't have a giant swirling vortex crater in the middle of it. That you know of. Have you been, Don? I haven't. I would actually really like to go, though. There's a lot of really cool critters over you there You just start see. looking. you like, flipping through people's, like, pictures of, like, France. You have Barcelona. You have, like, uh, the running of the bull. And then there's just people sitting next to the swirling vortex in the middle of the country. Like, yo, y'all didn't notice that? Like, dude, that's, like, a big tourist attraction. We, like, throw stuff in there for fun. So it's, it's the wishing well. 
It's a wishing well. The uh, I think also like they they had to change some stuff too because like there needs to be a place for the ice types. Quite frankly, yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. The reason it's a little bit warmer in real life is because it's lucky enough to have a, a nice weak current. Current the um, darn it. What's the name? It, it's like an obvious. It's like the Portuguese current. The Portugal current. That was it. The Portugal current, which actually goes right around the peninsula. And it brings in a little bit of warm water. The average temperature in the summer is like 75, whereas the low temperature is around 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Incidentally, for those international, I'll try and do like Celsius next time, but we're, we're mainly going to do Fahrenheit. I'm sorry. It's a bad system. Sorry. <clears throat> in any case. But it's, but it's what we know. It's, it's what we know. I mean, I'm the science major. should be able to fix this, but uh, give me a second. Hang on. I'll be thinking in my head. All right, fine. Uh, 52 degrees is like 11 degrees Celsius. 70 degrees is like mm, 22 degrees Celsius. If I'm kind of off on that, I'm sorry. Anywho, with this warm water flowing through, it does give them, one, a better temperature to survive. And two, it provides a lot of nutrients to the area. So everything from plankton to whales can come over there at some point and survive and live there. Um, it is not. I, I had to look this up, Don, and I can confirm. There is not a giant hole in the middle. I had I had to check. Okay, but that's the hard hitting research that the listeners came for. Yeah, they wanted to make sure that there is not a giant hole. We have solved the mystery. You're welcome. Or a time vortex. Or a time vortex. There are a crap ton of caves, though. Spain has a ton of cave systems. One of them, in particular, is home to the oldest cave paintings ever discovered by Neanderthals. 65,000 years ago. What did they paint? I think it was just, I think it was, I think it was too damaged to really tell. Like, I think it was like hand paintings and stuff like that. You know, very simple, basic stuff. It wasn't like pre, um, pre like antelope and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Kind of paintings. Yeah. Quite a few of those caves have been damaged by like, uh, condensation from the breath from tourists. I know they've had to close quite a few. I think like Lascaux in France was, uh, I think that's when they had to close. Did you say the breath of Tauros? Tourists. Tourists. <laughs> yes, it intimidated the paintings. I, I swear I heard Taurus. In any case, there, there, there are a ton of caves out there. And I think that's cool that in the games, you can find a bunch of just caves in certain areas dugging around. Like when you go to some areas, there's mining and there's mining areas you can go to. And Spain is known for other places you can go and mine and work for minerals with, even way back in the day. Um, I will say that... They do also have a desert, which I didn't know about. I did not know that this country had a desert. Tabernas, the Tabernas Desert. Tabernas. The Tabernas Desert. And it's cool because while the desert in the game is like, oh, here are these ruins buried in Mystic Bruhaha. And it's like, nah, in real life, like that desert was mainly used like in modern day as like the spot for a lot of Westerns. A lot of Westerns were shot there because it was considered like a perfect, like, like terpic like representation of like the old west mm-hmm. which i still think is such a weird concept that people would go from the united states to italy and to spain to film westerns when they could have just driven driven like five hours and gotten there from Look, hollywood you're not telling sergio leone where to film his westerns no i guess i'm not <laughs> But I mean, oh yeah, all the old spaghetti westerns. Yes, for sure. I was actually a little disappointed that spaghetti westerns were not represented in the Pokemon uh, for this generation. I was really hoping 
there would be some more uh, film ones, but it is what it is. Yeah, we'll 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 complain about that in the next in the next episode on culture. But I really just like this because I've had discussions with friends in the field. I work with an animal biology degree, and it's like people always talk this good stuff about African animals, South American animals, Asian animals, Australian animals, even Antarctic animals, and when it comes to North America and Europe, they, they get very like, yeah, it's got some some bears, foxes, whatever. It's like, no, this game proves that this, like there's cool stuff everywhere. And I think that's a lesson Pokemon teaches accidentally, that there's cool monsters living in your own backyard. There's cool monsters living in North America. There's cool monsters living in Europe. It, it, pay attention to them because I don't want to see them go away. I, I think that's something important. Everyone be quiet because they're awesome. I have only interacted with like squirrels and the occasional deer. You don't get that much experience with like wild animals uh, in the areas that most of us live in nowadays. Don, I know you are the exception. Yeah, for those who don't know Don, he's, um, uh, would you call yourself a bit of an outdoorsman? No, I just I enjoy uh, like hunting and fishing and spear fishing and all that, um, and just hiking and just being out there. Um, it's it's all really it's all great. Uh, I live in Florida, so I'm fortunate to have a lot of options of interesting places to go. I mean, I think it is one of those things where I guess not everyone's getting a chance to go outdoors, and that's a big issue for a lot of people. There have been studies that like the lack of outdoors for a lot of people has caused negative effects, and I think that's cool a cool way of getting people out there is like hey you like pokemon and video games bet a lot of those if not all of them are based on real world things go outside and find them because they do live in your backyard i mean you basically just described pokemon go lucas shut up <laughs> speaking of cool things in deserts um the uh was it the taberas desert um was also a location in uh, the sixth season of game of thrones was the dothraki sea yeah, I mean, come on. Listen, if you have Game of Thrones money back when it was good, like, yeah, we're filming wherever we want. If there's a fight in Hawaii, we'll do it. But okay, so here's how I kind of want to go throughout the next part. So I, I kind of picked a few of the Pokemon that I really liked that I wanted to, that we could talk about. Like, like these are Pokemon. Now, any Pokemon-related podcast, usually the, the rules are simple. Talk about Mewtwo and Charizard in the first episode to get them hooked. And that usually, that's their rule, not mine. You got to talk about like Bulbasaur, one of the original starters. I don't want to do that because everyone's already done it. We're taking the road less traveled. We are taking the road less traveled. We are talking about some Pokemon, some popular, some not, that came out in the game that represent really cool wildlife. And they're probably not going to end up on too many teams, although Don will have to Make sure if I'm right or wrong, and you you know the battle system. And the first one I want to start off was one of, with the first Pokemon that they released, and I'm like, this is my game. I'm going to be the happiest man alive, and that was the regional Wooper and Clodzai. I love these dudes so much. They're so good. It's so perfect. I I, I saw the best meme of like a nor like a Johto Wooper walking into a hot topic and walking out is like the Paldean one. I love them. Don, what what do you what did you like about this Wooper? I just think Wooper's a fun little dude, and more Wooper's just more fun little dudes. <laughs> and I know Lucas wants to talk about the Iberian ribbed newt, but I did think about that guy as well. But I'm gonna let Lucas take it. Iberian ribbed newt. 
Iberian ribbed newt. I predicted this Pokemon years ago that it should be a thing and it actually happened. I know everyone like says that, but like I actively specifically decided like Iberian ribbed newt should be in this game somewhere somehow and it finally happened. It, it, it's awesome. It took it's 25 years. It. 25 years. <laughs> oh god, no, what that Pokemon meme like it's been 3000 years. <laughs> it's uh what AZ with the flow, yeah, the flow head, whatever 3000 yeah. years. But if you've never heard of the Iberian ribbed newt, um, funny enough, uh, some friends of ours on the Just a Zoo of Us podcast also talked about this critter because it's amazing. Definitely check them out. Uh, it is probably one of the coolest animals on Earth. Um, it is a newt, uh, roughly about a foot long. It is the biggest uh, newt in Europe, and it packs one heck of a punch. So the reason it got its name is that whenever it is being attacked or like eaten, it will break its ribs and stick them out of their body like knives coming out of the side you thought you were hardcore listener yeah you thought like oh no no i think my favorite animal is an orca like the orca is awesome but is it break your own ribs and use them as knives awesome that's not even the terrifying part when they break the skin a specific toxin is released onto the skin as well it's triggered by the reaction and it coats them in toxin it is stabbing you with poison as you try and chew it and you get spit out and you get to live it's so cool nature is so awesome it's so metal i can't believe like ah i love it i want it yes this is very cool i want like why did why is this the best mechanism for like there wasn't any other thing evolution could have done instead of breaking their own ribs to poison people i mean most newts tend to survive on having like slippery skin or a secretion on their body that allows them to either slip away or it's already toxic this is just making sure that when you get when you chew on this thing, the toxin's definitely gonna get in your system if you get poked. It makes sure you get the point. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Also, you know how there's like 37 different versions of Wolverine in the comics and yeah. stuff in the movies? What if there was like a Wolverine like codename Newt and it was just like Wolverine, but his rib cage was the knives? Yeah. That would be awesome. I would love to see just really And he has to just like hug people to staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh no he's just like really friendly he's like like the dude dude come on bro bring it in bring it in shink all right next in any i i just love it that this they clearly did it and you could see it when claude Zire attack when whooper evolves and claude star doesn't attack in the game the white spots on its back have like the bones shoot out from the top of them like it's so cool now i will say oh wait real quick lucas i just i when you when don don when you were going on about that hug you realize that did happen in X-Men, right? Yes, X-Men 3 with the porcupine yeah, fish man with- guy. I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about that I was that like, movie. wait a minute. This seems way too real. Like, I have a very... I, th- I, I, I like remember the scene as I talked about it, but honestly, I don't like to think about I that I don't movie. care to think about X-Men 3 either, and I don't appreciate you damaging my mental health by bringing it up, Chris. That's not cool. Uh, was that, that was Last Stand, right? Yeah, that was last stand. Yes. And I don't want to think about it that anymore. Really bad, really bad. <laughs> uh, I w- back on track. This Pokemon in the Pokedex, though, it- it's interesting because in the decks, it states that it's risky to stick its bones out for the attack. But in the real world, um, the Newt has evolved a really good immune system and the ability to heal up its ribs thanks to the collagen in them. Like it's it's able to patch itself up relatively well. Now, stabbing yourself with your own bones is never going to be a stressless situation but it does allow them to survive and again they're only they're already a foot long at most 
They're like 30 centimeters. That makes them a pretty weird target for a lot of organisms out there, like especially something living out in the Iberian. Like it's not a place known for its like massive predators. And so again, it's a the fact that Pokemon took the time to be like, hey, here's the coolest thing ever. Let's put it in a video game. I, again, I, I love it. I love this little guy so much. And it does have the uh, the poison point ability as well. Yeah. Are Newt's known for traveling in like groups? Because I know that the Paldean Whooper says that it like lines up in like groups of four and just kind of walks around. I don't think Newt's they're do that. solitary creatures unless I'm pretty sure they're all pretty solitary. Reproductions involved, yes. But um, I think if you're ever out there in the Iberian, just go looking in ponds and wells and like pockets of deep fresh water. That's what they prefer. Unlike other newts, they tend to spend most of their lives in the water. They very rarely leave it, and that's something that tends to that tends to throw people off a bit. So while we were talking about that, I was looking to double check that there wasn't like a social group of newts. Which led me to looking up the name for a group of newts, and the official term for the collective of newts is an armada. Oh, that's nice. So there's an, there's an armada of whoopers. I say, is that better than a murder of crows? I don't know. I know about um a bale of turtles is one of my preferred ones as well. Unkindness of ravens. Hey guys, what do you call uh, two crows hanging out together? Attempted murder. Ah, uh... right. It's pretty good. So uh, on the note of birds, I kind of want to talk about this next one because a lot of people gave it crap because it's okay, it's Flamingo. It's a Flamingo. They just dropped the N and I love it. But everyone needs to be nicer because everyone's like, yo, this is just a Flamingo. What the heck? And I'm like, yo, there's so many other Pokemon out there that are just that. Like Farfetch is just a duck with a stick. Like it's not anything. Pidgey is just a bird too. Cut them some slack. Sometimes like it, animals are just cool. Yeah, because this Pokemon, seal is a seal. Shocking, <laughs> but it has a horn. But it, but it has a horn though. Again, a lot of people get upset about Pokemon designs. Like there's a literal ghost demon covered in gold coins, and everyone loves them. Leave the flamingo alone. In in any case, the decks, the Pokemon decks says that it can synchronize with its flock and attack all at once. I have personally worked with flamingos before. That thought is horrifying to me because I have been bit by a flamingo. It is not fun. They are really mean when they don't like you. Do they have teeth? They have weird little like ridging, like a filter kind of thing. Yeah, that's what makes them so interesting. Flamingos in real life are incredibly social. They do pair off though. Like there were couples when I worked at Bush Gardens, they were like, oh yeah, there's this one and that one. You will, they hang out together all the time. Don't get between them. These two broke up. This one is a lonely and single. Like this one is getting along really well with the others. And it was really funny because one of the flamingos that was just mean as spit, just like just hated everybody. They, it, it uncoupled, it broke up with the other one. And then it got really friendly because it was really lonely and wanted to hang out with us. And it was really sad. <laughs> but honestly, I, I liked him a lot better when he was sad. He was way less bitey. But flamingos tend to organize in groups of can they can socialize in groups and they'll work to and they'll stay together for safety. But in one case, specifically the lesser flamingos can get upwards of 1.5 million all hanging out together in one specific spot. That's a city. Yeah, the reason I don't have a problem with flamingos being just a flamingo in the game is that flamingos are hardcore. They just don't get the love they deserve because they're pink, and that's rude. In 
There is a lake. Lake Nature. I mean, and they're kind of just funny looking. Okay, Don, they're funny looking. Come on. That's- I like flamingos. I'm a fan. But I'm just saying, like, they're kind of goofy. Let me talk about the lake. The lake's terrifying. <laughs> so there's Lake Nature in Africa, in eastern Africa. And the water there is, um, yeah, not very cash money. It is not a place you want to live. The water is around 140 degrees Fahrenheit. No fish really live in it. The only thing that can survive there is, like, algae. Like, green-blue algae that can, like, survive in almost anything. The flamingos come from thousands of miles away to gobble up this blue-green algae. Now, you mentioned it, Don. They have a weird beak. That beak is built like the filter, almost like um, the baleen, the teeth in a whale's mouth. So as they go along the they go along the water, they filter through it and just eat tons and tons of this algae. They are the only animals that can really go there because it's really high up, so there's not a lot of oxygen. The water is boiling, alkalinic, deadly to almost anything else, and they're just walking through it. They're dancing around it. They don't care. They just walk through it like it's no big deal. What's going on? I love this thing. It's great. So I think the one thing that we... You mentioned that they were pink, Lucas, but they're not just pink for... Any old reason, though. They're pink because of what they eat, correct? Yes. Uh, flamingos get the pink coloration from the food that they eat. The body just breaks it down in such a way that it just gets moved into the feathers. And it's, it's carotenoids that I, I think are, are are doing the dying in this situation. Yes. yes. And we see similar things with um the scarlet ibis and the, uh, the roseate spoonbill Two as well. Awesome Two birds. other pink and red birds. So <laughs> I think this begs the question, what is flamingo eating? Ooh, there, there's probably some. Uh, Notice how you never see corpish. Oh no! Uh, and it's a fighting type flying too, so it's like the crawdons. It just like kicks them to death and eats them. And they work as a group too, so it's just a synchronized pink dance of consumption. And I really like um the the Pokédex entries for Flamigo. It's the it's it's little classification as the synchronized Pokemon. And one of the Pokédex entries very accurately talks about how um, flocks of them will attack simultaneously in perfect harmony. Um, the Scarlet entry says that they tie a knot in the base of their neck to keep their energy in their stomach, which I don't think flamingos actually do. No, it just look they just look weird when they're sleeping. Yeah, they're fun little guys. Yeah, they're they're weirdos, but I, and I'm... it's a uh, very fun hidden ability if you want to use a degenerate Dondozo strat. Um, you can have co-star, so you copy all of your doubled stats uh, with your Flamigo. And then it just kicks everything. Weirdly enough, I like the Scrappy variant more. You want to punch them, you want to punch them ghosts. <laughs> I think it's a more real Pokemon, and it blocks Intimidate now, which is very good. Yeah, I think that's cool. I will say if you go into the game like looking for it, the first place I found it was down in the south region. There's like an inhospitable bog. That's perfect. This thing is like, yeah, let me find a terrible place where only ghost Pokemon live. I'll be out there feeding. I'll be okay. Like it, it, It's so weird that something like a flamingo that looks so pretty and so dainty and are so fragile, like, nope, extremophile. I live in the worst places ever. Fight me if you want. I'll bite your face off. It's great. Uh, I will. People are asked, like, well, aren't they only found in Africa? There's this group of lesser flamingos that migrates to Spain every spring to La Laguna Fuente de Piedra. Sorry, I, I got to try and pronounce that right, or my family would have owned me. Um, yeah, it's a wetland out there where there's a ton of birds to watch, and so it's 100% a Spanish bird. They can have it in there. Why not? <clears throat> now, as far as, okay, full disclosure, me and Don got our start, and like we do a lot of our work based on fish. 
It's kind of what we do. Like in one way or another, we work with fish. But I feel really bad for this fish. Don, I don't like this fish. Chris, I don't like this fish. Why not? It's so it's so cute though. Wiglet and Wug Trio. Oh, it hurts. They're so they're cute. They're so bad. Like, well, are, okay, are they bad like in their utility in the game, or are you saying they're bad like in their design? Uh, utility, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I mean. You gave it, like, a really cool move, like, triple dive, where it's like, hey, here, hit it with a water attack three times, and that's pretty great. But its stats are garbage. If you're one of the Pokemon people who are like, I'm not in it for the stats, I'm looking at it cool. Like, yeah, I was too for, like, the main run until Wugtrio's, like, existing, and I'm like, oh, please. Please don't. I don't, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Oh, it's so bad. But it is based on a real fish. It's not a snake. Um, also really fun that they're like oh no this is not like a regional variant this is just a parallel this is a pokemon that looks like a diglet and i thought that was pretty cool it's a it's a pro- what like probably like a, a cousin of some variety well no it's not a cousin at all it's not related it's, in it's any like way. A, yeah just total convergent evolution if oh. you don't know what that term means convergent evolution means that two organisms get the same idea even though they're very split apart think sharks and penguins and how they have a black top and a white belly in order to help survive if they swim uh, this is something that does happen in nature, and it's really, really cool. But I don't know. It's 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 silly. I love this little. I love garden eels. I actually got a chance to work with them in an aquarium, and they're really silly, weird creatures. Um, they are fish. They're not snakes. They're not found anywhere near Spain, but they are found in the Caribbean and Indo-Pacific. And since Spain owned both of those for a while, I say we count it. Uh, the name, if you've never worked with them or been around them, the name comes from the fact that these eels will tend to burrow together into little holes just like the Pokemon and just kind of stick their heads out a little bit to feed on plankton as it passes by. When you see them from a distance, it looks like little moving heads of grass just kind of twitching and flicking and grabbing little bits of plankton. It's really fun because they do get spooked pretty easily. So if you walk by them, just be like, ah, scared, and pull themselves inside. Have you all ever seen them like an aquarium? Or Don, have you ever seen them in the wild? No, and I would love to have seen one in the wild. Um, I have seen them in aquariums. Um, I've seen them in a couple, like, and I know, like, for private aquarium standpoint, they're considered very, very difficult. I think they're pretty finicky, and they need a very deep sand bed. But I, I think they're really cool. I've never seen one in the wild, though. I would love to. Apparently, they can cover over an acre of surface with just one colony. And I just think that's a, that'd be really fun just to be swimming over and just see like living grass just munching off. Then again, they again they get spooked and they hide, and that's how they survive. They kind of look like those wacky waving inflatable tube men. Just yeah, yeah, that's oh, fun. yeah, they're they're very cool. But I will say, um, these are not the, like there was a bunch of buzz like a few months back of like how the eels were like, oh, we finally found out where these eels bred. Not the same eels. We know how these ones reproduce. These ones will like leave their burrows, they'll copulate and release their um release the eggs into the water stream. So we already knew how that was done. It's one of the few times they'll actually leave the burrow is to reproduce. I will say, funniest story that came out of the pandemic with the garden eel was that in a Tokyo aquarium, they were having an issue. There were so there was nobody coming into the aquarium, and so the garden eels weren't used to people anymore, which meant that anytime the keepers came by to them to take care of them, they would hide from them, which is a problem. So what they ended up doing was setting a bunch of tablets in front of the fish and just having people like clock in for like two minutes to wave and like make silly faces at the fish so they would get used to people again. And I think it worked. 
I haven't found any article saying it did or didn't, but it might have worked. And that was, it, it's a very Japanese solution to the problem is get a robot, get a, get a tablet to do it. It's, it's so fun that they were just like, nope, let's just uh, scare the thing. Scare the quick, get on the tablet and scare them. It's, it's, I don't know. I, it, it's a fun Pokemon. I wish its stats were better. Oh, a question about it. So it says that it can, uh, it can smell a Veluza 65 feet away. Do are garden eels known for their their smelling abilities? I really don't know. For, I I would imagine. I know they're very adept of uh avoiding things by going in their little holes. So I'd imagine they have a pretty strong um. They have they have large eyes for their size, and uh they probably have a pretty strong lateral line as well. But they have like very large eyes. I'd imagine they have good vision. And also the whole sixty five thing is a tie back to what Doug Trio and how it could dig like sixty miles underground. Which I want to point out in less Pokemon's crust is very different from ours. That's the mantle. That's where the hot magma is. And it's just like, dig home. This is where I live now. It's it's a weird... Pokemon gets weird. At some point, we'll have to discuss just how weird. But Pokemon is weird. Uh, In any wh- case... One last dumb question. How exactly does smelling work underwater? There's a lot of various ways. Because there are um, some fish that sort of smell by almost tasting the water. And then there's fish that have like... Like a shark. You see they have like little nostrils, right? You look at like... Imagine your classic shark. They're kind of, they're not like, they can't breathe through them, but they're like a little just sort of pits that go into their head a bit. And there's the smell receptors in there and there's the water like kind of goes across those. Um, That's sort of like one way they can sort of smell. So it might be a safe bet that Wiglet's giant nose is just a giant smell receptor. I mean, it's just trying to smell its way and make sure that it's not going to get consumed. I mean, I get it. I feel that. I mean, in any case, that's what all of these animals are trying to do is trying to make sure they don't die. Uh, the Wugtrio, I don't know, I tried looking up why it's red, and I couldn't find any, like, specific species that was red in color. And in any case, red stands out in the environment that it's living in. These animals tend to live in the shallows. Red is a great color for deep water. If you're coming out in, like, the bright light of day, it's like, no, you stand out like a sore thumb. So either Wugtrio is nocturnal, or it should be found in deeper water. One of the two. That's just some the, the biology 101. Maybe it's weird. red because it's so mad. Mad that its stats are crap. It's a waste of a rattled ability is what it is. Now, this next one, Don, I did a lot of notes on everything else, but this is your bird. All right. Yeah. So, um, Kilowattril is a bird I like a lot from the new game. I actually used it in my playthrough as well. So, it's the Frigate Bird Pokemon, and Frigate Birds are a really interesting group of birds. Um they have the the males have the really big inflatable throat sack. If you've ever seen, like it's like a black bird. They're very kind of large wingspan and uh, sleek. They actually have the largest, I think, wing to body surface area ratio of any bird. Um, and like Kilowattril, who has his little throat pouch, uh, the frigate bird has a throat pouch as well, which it uses to inflate um, during mating season to show off and just sort of display. And I think it also may have some um, degree of heat dispersal as well in hot climates. I think it's also a really cool bird to bring up and that it's flying ability is unparalleled. Like there's a reason why it gets its own ability, like wind power where it gets stronger in the wind. There has been research done on the frigate bird. They have been able to remain airborne for over 37 days straight. No landing. They can, uh, they'll disperse over great distances. Um, they'll fly higher too than 4,000 meters. Um, and they can remain on the wing for uh, 
generally just while on foraging, they'll generally just do it for even like 12 days. And a very interesting about them is a thing about frigate birds compared to a lot of other seabirds is their uh, fur, or not sorry, fur, feathers, um, has like a very low oil covering, like oil content. So most seabirds have very water repellent uh, feathers. Like a seagull, you know, they'll land on the water, they'll swim around, and they'll basically stay dry. Frigate birds are much less waterproof. So instead of actually landing on the water, they'll either pluck fish from like the exact surface or um, they'll often steal from other seabirds like a gull or a pelican or like a cormorant or like a booby, depending on where they are. Um, and that come, part of the name is frigate bird. A frigate's like a small, like skirmishing sailing ship from back in the day. So they were like, you know, out there pirating fish from the other birds. Now, is there, is there anything that would make it, that lends it to the electric typing or are they just like, we just really like electric fly? Um, they fly, um, they'll fly like on updrafts and stuff. So maybe like, You'd see them. I mean, like where I am in Florida, normally you only see them inshore on very stormy days. So maybe like they they could be associated. Maybe you can make that stretch, I guess. Uh, typically, there you see them offshore. And uh, people actually while out fishing will look for frigate birds because frigate birds will follow schools of um, pelagic fish or dolphins in hopes that they'll push bait fish up to the surface for them. So if you're out fishing and you see frigate birds, you can follow the frigate birds literally to fish don you'll love this like have you read the violet entry for kilowattrel um i have it in front of me but you can go ahead yeah like it uses its throat sack to store electricity blah 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 blah, blah. here's the they're hardy in oils in their feathers so it's a poor swimmer so they straight up i love it. that reference um and i like that i can the riding the wind and flying over 430 miles a day again like we talked about frigate birds excuse me can travel very far Interesting thing I noticed with Kilowattrel, though, is the name implies, like, there's also a group of seabirds um, called petrels, which includes several other families, including, like, stuff like albatrosses, but uh, not, in fact, frigate birds. Frigate birds are in the family with uh, uh, other birds like cormorants and boobies and um, a few other seabirds like that. So they're actually not related, but the petrels, there are several petrels um, in the Iberian area as well. Are petrels like known for dive fishing or are they like, they're much better at like scooping and swimming? What are the, they're what are another group with? of seabirds that um often have like a very, uh, I mean like the albatrosses are related to petrels. So it's, 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 a, it's a lot of other soaring seabirds. If you look physically, they look relatively the same for the most part. I think they can land on water and swim a bit though. Okay. So a little bit better. Kind of reminds me of a cormoran a bit with a uh, kilowattrel and how they're like, no, no, no. Like, Oh, Cormorants can swim. They still just don't. They could really good swimmers. They just still need to dry off. And with the frigate bird, they just choose not to. There are some diving petrels, though. Uh, a buddy of mine, we went fishing at one point and um, we had caught a fish that was too small. We just threw it to the side. And all of a sudden, one of the shadows that's up flying above us just gets lower and lower and lower. And this frigate bird just comes in and scoops that one fish that we had just thrown out that just didn't make it. And it just flies away. And it was one of the coolest things I remember because this thing got so close to us it was ridiculously cool to see how awesome these birds are if you ever get a chance uh, when i was working in tampa we would always see them in the summertime like that's when it was the best time to watch them i love those things. oh yeah the frigate birds are awesome and like they're big um quite a few like the the magnificent frigate bird um can have a wingspan of up to eight feet so like 2.44 meters oh look at you using them meters look at you Help. yeah and that's all through uh, like the american south and the caribbean 
yeah. uh, down through South America and on the Pacific side as well. That's cool. Um, and also a little bit in, I think, the Azores or Ascension Island, maybe. And I guess Spain owned parts of those both at some point. So, yeah, no. It's, well, there's several frigate birds that um I think do go. There's the Ascension frigate bird. Um, there's, there's quite a few species. Okay, so that one is one of theirs. Okay, cool. Now, I, I, I was mean to, uh, to wiggle it, and that's, that's fine. I feel really upset about this next one because they wasted a cool animal and made it terrible. I also just resent the, um, the pre-Evo to the full Evo is such a downgrade, in my opinion, as well. Okay. I would agree. When you're walking in the first region, you're going to crawl across a spider. It's a ball of twine with legs. It's neat, I guess. But then it evolves into a really cool-looking Pokemon, Spidops. And Spidops has the worst stats ever. You think Spidops looks cool? I think Spidops looks amazing. Spidops is the first spider Pokemon with eight limbs. This is true. That's the first one. The first one in 25 years that have had the right number of lives and interacted. That is insane. I think he looks great. What? Why do you think he looks bad? I don't know. <laughs> he just, he just, he kind of looks a little silly. I like him. <laughs> I think he just looks silly. I like him. I, he, I, I like how like his his chest kind of looks like like body armor and that kind of stuff. Like he's kind of cool, but I don't know. He's not. He doesn't do anything for me. I he doesn't do anything for me because his stats are terrible. But it, it's based on an ogre spider. And ogre spiders, ogre, are, which are very cool. They're so cool. They're awesome. They're one of the, I know when people listen, like I have a good, like 30% chance of grossing someone out by talking about spiders, but like, hear me out. They're so cool. They're a spider that doesn't just make a web. They make the web and hold it between their legs. And then they'll hang from above and on over a flat surface of some kind and just wait. And eventually, when something walks by, it just drops down, snags them with a net, reels itself back up. It's basically fishing for bugs. It's. I was gonna say this is like the Mission Impossible of spiders. It, it is a little bit like it just like do that and just, just yoink, just grabs them up. It's such a cool concept, and they gave it an ability. They gave it an attack that works like protect, but then it drops its speed when you get stuck in it and you hit it. That's rad. Even its ability is stakeout, which is something these spiders are really known for. They're hanging out there and they're waiting for their prey. And yet they gave it a terrible stat pool. They gave it a look that I'll admit is controversial. Its shiny form is hideous. Yeah, I don't want that on my team. Ugh, that's gross. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's. Uh, I'll agree with you on that one. That is that, uh, that coloring does not really uh, go with the covert ops. Yeah. Aesthetic. Yeah, it does it it, it it looks oh my god. It looks like to the two Spidops fans out there, I'm very sorry. It looks like a member of the Ginyu Force from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> the shiny is not great. <laughs> but no, again, it's the first spider to have eight limbs. And that's worth saying something. The fact that it took this long to give a spider Pokemon eight limbs is ridiculous, but at least they have them. And I mean, the deck sentry does say that it like puts sticky threads and sets up traps for intruder, which I think is pretty cool. And I mean, it takes out prey without them even noticing. Like again, it has that stealth ops, and like its eyes remind me of like the night vision goggles that like 
Like, have you ever played like any of those, like any of the FPS shooters where they give you like extremely tactical like goggles? Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, like those, like that's what it reminds me of. It it really is an interesting design to me. I get why people don't like it, especially that shiny. I really hate looking at it, but it's such an interesting design. And again, it comes back to the point we started with. Pokemon decided to pick these random weird animals that no one's ever heard of, that no one would think about. Yes, we can talk about the dolphin Pokemon. We probably will at some point. That's a big one for people to listen to. But to me, finding these animals in our own backyard, like you can find an ogre spider in Florida. You can find them in North America. They're out there. They're right there. It's so important to me that people know that these creatures are out there, that these monsters that they made up are like, no, we didn't make them up. We just found them and gave them like the ability to shoot fire from their eyes or something. Like it's such an interesting way to go about making a game, taking animals and plants and whatever from our world, coloring them up a bit and sending them out to fight each other. That's why I love the games. Why I got into biology to begin with with Pokemon games. I love what I do, and I love getting a chance to teach people. I guess in the case of the Ogre Spider, Lucas, you could say that they're like onions. <laughs> no? Shrek, Shrek joke just fall flat? No. It, I it, liked it. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just glad that we can talk about it, and I'm glad that we have two more episodes to talk about this stuff. This is something really cool. This is something I want people to understand, and this is... I'm glad this could be our first episode. You know, I mean, every podcast has to start somewhere and we're starting with this, this game and what's coming out. And by the time this releases, there might be a DLC announced and people are going to be hyped about that. But for now, I want this episode recorded and left here showing that when they first dropped this game, they had some really cool ideas and some really cool concepts put in that. And we're not even stopping. We got more on the way and we can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Anything else y'all want to add? Uh, I will say, uh, and we are again, a new podcast. So if you are liking the show, please, please, please share it with friends, share it on social media, leave us a review, uh, in your podcasting app of choice to really help get the word out there as we kind of continue on. We will be, the plan is to be releasing, uh, every other week bi-weekly. Uh, and we're going to try to, like Lucas said, we're going to try to be rotating between Pokemon and other video games to really spread the love over all the video game world and the teachings that it has to offer. Oh yeah, no, I'm planning on doing an episode that proves you can teach with Fortnite. Yeah, like straight up. I think you can do it and I'm, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to come up with like three lesson plans for Fortnite and actually make it viable. Oh, I, the internet will both love and hate me. And that's, that's the perfect balance I want to find in my life. As all things should be. Well, guys, I want to thank you guys again so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And all of our socials are down below as well. If you guys want to learn where we got our intro music, I want to thank you guys again. Have a great rest of your day or night. Y'all, we out. <laughs> <laughs>